I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. I like beer. It helps me unwind, and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. Makes him feel Welcome to I Like Beer, the podcast, where we discuss great beers. And the stories that go with them. I'm your host, Jeff. And I'm your host, Jeff. And the ILB team is on location again today. Another field trip. Today we're at one of San Diego's premier breweries, just recently rated number six in the world. That's right, the world. Number one in California. So really it's one of the world's premier breweries. True. Really, when you're saying that. And it's definitely California's True. premier brewery. So. Yes, from the Rate Beer Awards. They are six-time gold medalists in the Great American Beer Fest. And five-time gold medalists in the World or at the World Beer Cup. And this brewery is so much a part of San Diego that the city renamed the street it's on after the brewery itself. That's right. We are at Ale Smith Brewing Company with head brewer Ryan Crisp. Hello, Ryan. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for We're having your us. Place. We're very, very excited. <laughs> yeah, to be the double Jeffs. Yeah. Hill <laughs> Smith also had multiple beers on the top 100 beers in the world rankings from Rate Beer Awards. So, not to mention a 2019 Beersy. Yes, that's true. Right? Yes. The For the best Mexican lager. So, congratulations yes, right. to Ryan and, and your team. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so, so uh, our goal today is to get to know you a little bit, maybe a little bit about L. Smith. And uh, so, we'll start off with some questions and uh, Let's see do where it. we go. So, uh, as one of the premier breweries in San Diego, we'd love to hear a little bit about uh, uh, your history. Maybe tell us a little bit about what got you into brewing first. Yeah. So, I started here at L. Smith in 2006 right out of college. So I was 21 and I started as a home brewer, um, just making all different styles, trying to learn about the history of beer and how the technical process, how it's done. Um, and my wife and I started going to every brew we could. There were only 15 or so in town back then. Now there's 160 or so. Um, we walked into Alesmith and then there were, I think, four people here. I just asked if they needed volunteer work <laughs> and they, they said, yeah. Free work? Why not? That's right. <laughs> that was right down the street on Cabot Drive. Yeah, right, right, right down the street away, on yeah. Cabot. Um, and then a few months later, they decided they need full time help, and so I became the fifth employee. That's it. That's impressive. So yeah. Number five. So it's kind of the right place at the right time. And also fellow Aztec. Also fellow Aztec, yes. of course. So there's always room for more Aztecs. Go so Aztecs. Uh, go Aztecs. That's right. <laughs> uh, and uh, so then, as far as that, what can you tell us a little bit about origin story that uh, of Ale Smith since you're employee number five, and then also <laughs> what obstacles and successes have kind of helped define uh, Ale Smith? Yeah. So Ale Smith was founded in 1995. Um, it was the second, I believe, the second um, craft brewery, microbrewery, not brew pub in San Diego. Um, and we were founded by um, named Skip Virgilio was the original founder, and our current owner Peter took over the company in 2002, uh, about four years before I started, and kind of redesigned all the beers, changed what Alesmith was about, um, and then kind of the rest is history from there. But our, we really want our thing to be kind of classic, balanced beers that take on European traditions. You know, our flagship beer for the longest time was our ESB, yes. um, which is kind of the, the quintessential like British style. And so that's something that Peter brought in 2002 to the company. And then our, our beers have kind of evolved with the market over time. Now we have, we have hazy IPAs and, and all kinds of different styles that are uh, real popular right now. Um, but our, our roots are still in, in beer judging, in um, the, the craft brew community, the homebrew community, and those kind of classic styles. And that Nut Brown was one from yeah. the early days, right? Yeah, absolutely. That, I think it was probably around 2002, 2004 that I first heard of Ale Smith at, at Stone Brewing, 
uh, on the wall. They they had their bragging rights of different articles about coming in second and third place, but first place was always Ailsmith. <laughs> like, Where's Ailsmith? And the uh, beer tender at Stone insisted that I try the nut brown uh, ale from Il- so that was interesting that the Stone the guy was saying you no yeah, don't don't one. drink ours. Yeah. You have to have the Ailsmith. Yeah. I agree. I think that was probably my first one, and then off of that one, you moved into the you know, 394. Obviously, became a big one. And yeah, X. And, and X, X was, yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. And, uh, classic. And, and those ones. So nice. And how how did you get into brewing? So I I've always been interested in craft brewing, even before I was 21. Just kind of the that artisanal nature of it, the idea of being able to make a finished product that you can put your hands on, that you can drink and kind of evaluate. Something about the beginning to end nature of that it's very tangible always interested me so um, it's just kind of a natural fit you know I, I graduated with a history degree which you can't do anything with so it was the perfect Apparently thing to do is, head brewer yeah, I guess so. of the, <laughs> one of the best breweries in the world <laughs> not because of my history yeah, degree well, though but, <laughs> but not despite of it either yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah, um, so that was... So I were think, you brewing in a garage, in yeah. this kitchen? Yeah, dorm garage, room? basement. Dorm room? <laughs> <laughs> Not, dorm room was, would have been yeah. a little more challenging. Um, but yeah, wherever I could. Um, just kind of started on the stovetop, real small. Yeah. And then slowly scaled up, got all the you know the cool equipment, and tried to get the rigs. Um, and then eventually when I started here, I was so busy making beer here, I just kind of... I fell away more from homebrewing. It's kind of taking work home, right. but still stay active in the the beer judging community and our homebrew club, Quaff, that we're really tied to, and we host um, big beer judge competitions here multiple times a year. Very cool. Um, so uh, you're at 21, yep. and you're homebrewing. Yep. So that's not. I think that's pretty unique for a 21 year old, <laughs> right? Most 21 year olds are seeing what, how much natty light they can. They yeah. Pound. That's tr- yeah. yeah I, that's true. I think growing up in in the Bay Area in high school, we were always really interested in. Sierra Nevada right. and New Belgium and the the breweries that were really kind of coming up and defining what craft beer was all about yeah. in the you know late 90s mid 90s for me um, and so I think that kind of just carried over when I moved down oh. here so you're ahead of your you were ahead of your time I guess, yeah I guess classmates so. time a lot of Aztecs <laughs> yeah. are yeah yeah, yeah. most Aztecs are it is a common trait of Aztecs I agree not like that. the Chico kid yeah. still hey stuck now. in the past hey now he did say Sierra Nevada he, he did, did say Sierra Nevada so so, and then let's talk a little bit. So, San Diego, obviously, you just mentioned it has a lot of breweries. Um, so, what's unique about visiting Alesmith, and what is unique about working at Alesmith? Well, yeah, there are a lot of great breweries in San Diego. It's it's kind of a beer mecca. At Alesmith, you know, we don't try to be the best brewery or um, the most out there brewery. We just want to focus on what we love and do it really well. And so, that ties into the those classic styles it ties into making beers that are really easy to drink and balanced so even if we're going to make a, a triple ipa you should be able to drink a whole pint of it and not feel that it's right. you know too bitter or too any one flavor just a, a very like harmonious um, high quality and consistent product and okay. so i think that's kind of what's defined us and what's kind of carried us through to be you know best brewery in california according to the rapier voters right. <laughs> and a lot of experts yeah Right here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're surrounded by them. Yeah. Uh, we have hailed both 394 and Sublime as two of the finest beers in all the world since the first day of our podcast. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, about those two beers and what else is in the lineup? Yeah, absolutely. So 394 is our bestseller. I mean, that's the beer we're, we're mostly known for. Um, and we, so we surprisingly sell 
almost all of it in San Diego, and it's still probably about 70% of what we sell just here. So it's a very popular beer in San Diego, and it's a beer we brewed with Tony Gwynn starting in 2014, I believe. Um, Tony approached us. He wanted to make um, a, he wanted to make a beer that he could drink and that he could kind of show off to his um, buddies in baseball. Right. So he used to go to the Hall of Fame, he would say, and Tom Seaver would have a wine, and he would pass it out, and Tony was already really jealous of that. Like, <laughs> I got I to get down on that, but I'm, he wasn't a wine drinker. Um, so he had approached us through some mutual friends of our owner, and um, we, we were you know, absolutely honored. Of course we're going to do that with Tony Wynn. He's an icon here. And so we, he wanted something that was flavorful, as, as he put it, kind of had a kick. And so we tried a lot of beers with him to understand what his preferences were. You know, he knew what he liked, he just didn't know how to put it in words. Um, and so we created 394 through a bunch of trials and um, he was able to try it and I mean, he loved it. Unfortunately, he was sick and not too long after we first released it, he passed away. Um, but we continued to make it with his family. We're very close with the, the Gwyns, Alicia and the kids. and. They're here, you know, regularly, um, and we we work with them with their their charity, and um, so it's been a really good relationship with us for us, and you know, we really it, I mean, it's a great beer. One of our uh, one of our listeners, Dave Eshelman, who I, I saw last night, uh, wanted me to tell you, and per- I told him I was coming here to thank you personally for three ninety four. <laughs> he goes, "Oh, you are? Well, can you tell him thank you from Dave for uh, three ninety four because that's the Thanks, best Dave. beer ever. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice." So. And then Sublime, so that's that's much newer. Um, the band approached us. I think they'd seen what we'd done with 394, and they, they love that beer. And they wanted to do something similar. Um, it's The band's kind of scattered around the, um, the state, so we were able to work with them through their representatives and have them come down. They wanted something more akin to what they drank growing up, which was you know light lagers, macros, but they wanted something craft and flavorful. Um, so Mexican lagers seemed perfect for what they were looking for. Um, and that's been a really good partnership for us as well. We have actually a, a, our biggest event of the year is tonight for Sublime. It's the uh, anniversary of Bradley Knoll's birthday. Um, so we're expecting this place to be packed, parking lots to be packed. Oh, it's going to be packed. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's already so it's starting. You can hear the noise in the background. Right. It's starting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, don't sleep on the rest of our beers, though. I mean, those two are great. But, you know, we think our whole core lineup and our seasonal lineup across the board is, is equally as so good. So what would you say are some of your, I mean, besides your core beers, but what are some of your must-have beers? So someone who's coming to visit San Diego or coming to Ellsmith for the first time, what do they have to try? Well, we, we make a lot of beers, um, especially if you come here. We have a pilot system, so we, we make over 100 beers a year. The core ones that you're more likely to see that we're excited about, our Hazy IPA Juice Stand is really good. We think it's you know one of the best mm-hmm. ones out there. And we just released a new beer, a, a raspberry sour called Forgeberry. Oh, yeah. We're, yeah. We, we know we it really well. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah. It's, it's lower calorie somehow. I'd say we're three-week experts at Forgeberry. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's that's brand new, but we're really excited about that as well. So I think those two are, are great, you know, introductions into like very different beers that we make, but that both kind of have the same quality, balance, flavor. Can I go back to Sublime for a second, of and, and, and then we may have to take this off the podcast. Maybe you don't want to reveal. But where <laughs> did you stay true to a Mexican lager, and where did you take some artistic liberties? Because it is the best Mexican lager ever. Because <laughs> it doesn't taste like a Mexican lager, really. But it has it in there. It's it's in there in the in the yeah core of it. <laughs> well, that's a good question. I mean, it it's Mexican lagers are basically Vienna European lagers that um, were brewed in Mexico with the addition of corn. I mean, that's kind of the defining flavor characteristics. Clean, malty lager, but with the corn adjunct flavor. And so we kind of started there. 
Um, there's nothing I would say like revolutionary about the beer, what we're doing. We're just trying to do it really well. Um, so it's all we've made so many different test batches to try to dial it in. A lot of it's about process with lagers, mm -hmm. um, the correct temperatures, the correct yeast, how you're handling the beer. Um, it takes a long time to make and then making sure you get the right quality ingredients. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just kind of the combination of all those things that make it what it is. Because it has a complexity, yeah. deliciousness to it yeah, that absolutely. you don't usually find in a Mexican lager, which you, usually has a crispness to, crispness to it. Usually but they're not. really dry, really uh, simple malt bills, and so that leaves them kind of one note, and then the corn can kind of give it a, a little bit of a, a more watery and drier sensation mm -hmm. too. So we, we didn't want it to taste like, you know, a Tecate or some some large scale. No, no offense to Tecate, right, but right. Um, that's just not who we are and what we're going for. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, all right. What's your favorite? This is a tough question for brewers, and we we have discovered. Yeah. Sometimes they have a, a like a very specific. Yeah. yeah at do, Epic, Clayton had a one specific. No hesitation. But usually, this is a tough question. Your favorite, Alesmith beer. It's like, like all the kids, you know. <laughs> um, I, They're not listening. I probably gravitate towards our nut brown the most. Mm -hmm. which you guys talked about. It's been around forever. It's The recipe hasn't changed, but it's it's like the perfect balance of flavors. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be impossible to try to replicate that beer if you didn't know what was in it. It's it's such a classic and simple style, but I think our version is so complex, um, but so like smooth and flavorful and easy to drink that it's it's harder to do than it seems to make a beer like that, you know? I imagine that'd be really tough to make that beer. <laughs> I was trying to think of what Girl Scout cookie would be perfect. Oh, with that with the earlier discussions. Thin yeah. mint, maybe I think might be yeah, good. Yeah, might be good. Crunch. Peanut butter, yeah. Oh, one of those about yeah. the probably yeah. all of them. <laughs> thin mint would be a good one. Pretty all of them. Yeah, yeah. I think you probably could all of them. you can dip a little bit. Yeah, get a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So and we do that event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So there you go. You so I know we out. just we did. You just hit on it. You touched a little bit about you know, and we've discussed a lot how important Tony Gwynn is to the city of San Diego. You know, Mr. Padre, I'd say in a lot of ways, Mr. San Diego. Uh, he's an icon for all of us that grew up here, uh, especially. Um, can you tell us a little more about maybe the connection with Tony Ailsmith? Talk about the, the, the Tony Gwynn Museum here, because I think, again, for a lot of people, they don't even know it exists, and it's arguably probably the, the top Tony Gwynn Museum that you're going to find anywhere. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is pretty awesome. I mean, Tony was, he was an, an icon. More, it was more than sports with Tony. He defined kind of the, the humanistic qualities mm -hmm. that he embodied of, just kind of fairness and generosity. All these things, I think, are what made him so iconic and popular here. Um, and so when we when they first approached us, we'd never made a beer with somebody like this. So we were a little hesitant at first. And so it, it took a while for our own owner and the Gwyns to meet and spend time together and make sure that there was kind of a genuine connection there. And we weren't just making a beer to slap somebody's name on it right. to sell more product. Um, it had to be something meaningful. And so we wanted that to fall through in the beer, but also all the way through um, in everything about Alesmith. And so that's why we, we put the museum in. When Tony passed away, his wife, Alicia, was going through all their things. And they, I mean, they have, what's in the museum is only a fraction of what they have. They have so much memorabilia. He was such a great collector of things. He's got signed baseballs from, you know, every one of his friends. And um, it's, it's really special what they have here. So we worked with her to create this kind of high quality museum space that did justice to what the memorabilia that she had and to Tony as well. Um, so it, it came out really cool. It's kind of like a, a mini museum yeah. like 
in a brewery, which is right. you've it's, never it's seen very that unique. It is but very, then the quality of what you have in there, I mean, with silver bats and gold glove awards yeah. and the 3,000 hit, and like you said, the signed baseballs from everybody at the time that were in the 3,000 club. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, if you're a baseball fan, you have to come here yeah, you, and then get great beer at the same time. I mean, it's a win-win. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and yeah, I think Alicia's thought was, you know, I have all this amazing stuff. It's no one's seeing it. Yeah. Um, so having a way to share it with the public was, it was a win-win for both of us. Yeah, it's very know. cool. We've said it a couple times on the podcast for our listeners outside of San Diego that maybe don't understand our, how much we admire Tony Gwynn. Other cities have championships. We, we had Tony Gwynn. <laughs> we have Tony Gwynn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's and, point. I want to trade. No, I don't, I don't I, think No so one's going to offer. Yeah. Yeah, so. another, yeah Tony another Aztec as well. That's so right. That's so. the way we put it. We don't have all four sports, and yeah. you know the Chargers are gone, and there's only a few sports icons in San Diego. Yeah. You know, Marshall Falk, Kawhi Leonard now, but you know yeah. Tony Wynn's really he's the guy. But he was yes. he was San Diego, San Diego through and through. Stayed yeah. here, came back to coach here. Like I said, that's I absolutely think why he was so iconic. So. Uh, let's talk about what's next for L. Smith. What's next? You just, I mean, Forgeberry just came out. Can you? Is there anything else you can talk about? What's coming up? Yeah, there's always so much <laughs> coming going on. Um, <laughs> we got a lot of different um, new beers this year. We're just now, I believe, last week we released a uh, triple IPA collaboration with Pizza Port, which we've done a few different times with them. Um, it's called Logical Choice. So that's really good if you hadn't tried that. That's in 16 ounce four packs here and around town, around the country. Um, we're brewing a beer, um, a hazy IPA as part of our Hoprite series that's coming out in a few weeks. That's going to be really good. We have a collaboration with Modern Times and, and Omegang coming out this year. Um, so there's there's a lot of wholesale things you'll see out in the market. And then here at the brewery, like I said, there's a new beer every week practically. So, so basically every week it's evolving just because <laughs> you're pilot. Yeah, almost every week. So yeah. we, we use the pilot system to just play around. We use it for R&D. We use it to make... Um, beers for our membership program, with, which are kind of barrel age offerings. So, whatever we put on it, if we don't have a place to put it, we'll just put it on tap. You there know, you go. <laughs> um, as long as it, we like it, and it tastes good. So, so yeah, what what do you strong. what's gained out of the collaborative experience with other breweries? When, when, yeah, when you're working the other breweries, other brewers. Yeah, well, for me as a brewer, it's fun to see how other brewers think and how they approach their own beers. You know, there's something to be learned there, and I think there's something for Alesmith to learn that we can kind of introduce into the, the collab beer that we're making. So with the Pizza Port as an example, they're known for you know really great hoppy beers, IPAs, double IPAs. So a triple IPA, which is something neither of us make otherwise, seemed like the, the logical choice, which is kind of how the name came about. Um, and so we, we wanted to take kind of the, their style on how they're doing hops and how they're doing the malt bill and our take on you know what we're doing. Um, and the quality of it and kind of put that together and it's also an opportunity for us to to, to work with people we, we know really well and that we're friends with around town um, so we love doing those and I think it, it lets both breweries get out of their comfort zone a little bit which All is right. fun for fans it's fun for, for brewers yeah. too and we did we had the tour with Jeff a couple weeks ago he was very nice and took us on the tour and uh, we saw all the different collabs mm-hmm. either the cannage or what was in sitting waiting yeah. to, to finish up so that that was exciting right. to see there were a couple he told us not to look at the label that we weren't allowed to <laughs> yeah. know yeah 
One, ba one based on a bird that was the, a big secret. He told us we weren't allowed to go near a reed. There you go. No, nothing new on that one? We got to have our secrets. Okay. Yeah, we got to let us have our secrets. I mean, I could get yeah, in on that yeah, one. No. no. <laughs> yeah, and then we were able to go into the speakeasy and have a lot of the, some bunch of the barrel, barrel age, age, which is oh. really cool. Yeah. Like another component here that's really neat for people visiting. Yeah, that's really, that's something, again, very different. That, that was Peter's idea. We want to be able to let people do different blends of beers and kind of experience what it's like for us to make these beers. You know, we have hundreds and hundreds of different barrels. So anytime we're making a barrel aged product, we're creating all these different blends and we'll have, you know, 50 glasses out. And so you can kind of get a light version of that in there, right. making your own different combinations. You want to make a, make a stand for a barrel? We've had a couple brewers that say, you know, barrel age is a way to, to hide a brewing mistakes and, <laughs> um, but, We've had some that are fantastic, so and people won't Who's be making them. That? People have been saying that. So we'll, we'll, want to stand up for the barrel age? Yeah, hell yeah, stand up for barrel age. I mean, barrel aged beers are not the only the be all end all, um, but they aging in a barrel can add a ton of complexity right. to a really good beer. I guess some breweries um, perhaps hide flaws in barrel aged products, but. I think if a barrel-aged beer is really good, you're gonna n be able to tell that it's clean, and if it's not, you, you'll know. Right. I don't think you can you can hide true flaws in any beer. Um, there are there are stronger flavors, there are bigger beers, but you can do so many different things with the use of barrels, the use of aging that we can't do to any of our other beers. And then when you know pastry stouts, there's all these other ingredients that you can add: coffee and vanilla and coconut and fruit and um, so the, the kind of possibilities are endless. It's more of a dessert offering. You're not going to have a pint of it. Right. Um, but I, I think there's a reason it has such a, a cult following and the people are willing to pay, you know, such high price points um, for those beers because it it's really is like a, it's so like you, a fine wine. It's yeah, a special it's a unique offering. experience, right? Yeah. It's something that's different. So no, yeah. I agree. And then uh, I think last... Yeah, there this, you go. With this yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. And then last I would say is uh, w tell us a little bit about Cheesemith. <laughs> if you can. <laughs> well, I could tell you what I know. Uh, so Cheesemith is, is kind of Peter's, our owner's pet project. It's not technically part of Alesmith. It's a separate company. Um, he, the way he likes to put it, he's, he's a, a craft person. He's right. a, he loves, like, making things. So he makes mustard. He rubs coffee at home. He'll brine pickles. He, if he can figure out, like, how, how to make, make something, he yeah. wants to uh. try it. Um, so when Ailsmith started getting bigger and more complicated on the production side, um, he would always say, like, I don't even know what's, how this stuff works in my own brewery. Like, so he didn't get to exercise his demons right. on the, the craft <laughs> he needed, side. He needed so he's like, him. I got to make yeah. something else now that you guys can't take over. So he, no one's allowed in there yeah, except yeah. he and his wife. It's a, you know, just a one-person show. That's it's great. just a small little space. Um, open yeah, tanks yeah. And, I mean it's it's really cool and yeah. we, we release curds right now every Thursday um, but he has tons of other cheeses aging right. different styles uh, it's a whole different you know regulatory process so right. we're, we're kind of working through getting approval to get the rest of the types of cheese out there but it's just another it's cool. it's a, another craft another element of, yeah and something else to come I down think and in check his out. perfect world we'd have a bakery and yeah. cured meats and like have all these different <laughs> oh, things lined great. up yeah, that's, like, like, that's, you never his, have to that's his dream or rooting for Peter yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so Ale Smith has played a prominent role in the brewing well the San Diego community the Tony Gwynn Foundation um, environmental causes and the brewing community uh, as well 
What can you tell us about Ailsmith and, and how you see yourself as part of a community? Well, we see our part ourselves as you know important part of San Diego and, and also the Mira Mesa community. Um, we've worked with Tony Wynn and their charitable foundation. Um, we donate to a lot of other charities. We make beers with other charities and nonprofits. Our, uh, Peter and Vicky just started their own nonprofit organization um, that they're just trying to get off the ground now to work with um, at-risk and need children in need um, around San Diego County. Um, and we, you know, we, we do so many different events and we work, we made a beer with our local congressperson. Um, so we try to be a part of the community in any way we can, whether it's through doing events, charitable giving, or working with prominent figures locally. Um, any of it and all of it, you know, we're excited about. We missed out on the uh, Duncan Hunter incarceration IPA. <laughs> <laughs> was guess, that the right congressman? Yeah, I think you're, that's a different congressman. Yeah, yeah. That's not ours. That was ours up where we were from, yes. Sorry. Yeah. Ryan, how about having a couple beers with us? Yeah, let's do it. So we have four beers here. And feel free to dig in. I like your interpretation of a couple beers. Yeah. Well, you know. We can go big or go home. So the first one, uh, let's try that one first. This is a pilot batch beer that we made. It's okay. called Brett Grisette. So it's the name is just kind of the name of the style. So it's a Grisette with Brett, okay. as, as you would okay. think. Okay. And a Grisette is a very old style of beer from Belgium. It's like a Saison, but it's a session version of that. Okay. Um, it was made for miners originally to drink huh. when they got off work. So it's usually around a 4% beer with a lot of wheat um, and Saison, like Belgian yeast, yeah, yeah which is, is kind of spicy. And um, So we took that style and then we added Britannomyces, which is a, a type of wild, funky yeast. Um, and that over time will continue to get funkier and funkier and it creates kind of pineapple-y. Yes, um, I, can, and, I can pick that up in the aroma. Goaty yeah. notes a little mm-hmm. bit too. Um, so it's just really easy drinking, but kind of intensely flavorful with the bread and, and the Belgian yeast flavor. Um, so one of my favorite R&D beers that we made. It's very, very crisp and, yeah. So you said you made this as kind of an R&D just to see how it would... Uh... Yeah, we just made it for fun. We just uh, wanted to play around with Brett and try something different, kind of hone nice. in our, our skills on all different yeah. areas. And we're a big fan of Saison's in general, and we hadn't made a grisette before which is just even an easier drinking saison, so it seemed like a perfect fit. Those, those really light pineapple notes, both in the aroma and the taste, make, make it for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if it would be if it'd be a beer I'd like without that, but with that, yeah. I really like it. It's Brett's a polarizing flavor profile yes. for a lot of people. Um, so it is, you know, kind of on one extreme of the beer world. Well, but nice, subtle touch. That, yeah. To me, that makes all Not the difference funky, right there. Not too funky, but a little funky. Cool. The next beer we have is... We'll do this one. This is logical choice. So this okay. is the collab I mentioned with Pizza Port. The triple IPA. There's a triple IPA, ten percent. So a big one. And, it's, and it smells like a triple IPA. So what we set out to do with this was make a ten percent triple IPA that you could drink like a regular IPA that didn't taste hot, um, that didn't taste sharp, that didn't taste overly bitter, that was deceptively smooth for how strong it was but also very flavorful, very hoppy, 
um, and still oh, delicious. Right. You know, it's interesting. If you didn't tell me, like if someone just gave me a glass of this, I wouldn't know, that's a I wouldn't know it's a triple IPA. No way. Yeah. Right. It's, it's so no way. The smooth. The finish is very smooth. Yeah, when you ink, go up in alcohol, usually people go for bitterness. They add more hops, and you end up getting a beer that's bigger, in, you know, for the sake of bigger, but it's not necessarily something I would want to drink. Right. So what's so, the ABV on this? It's 10%. 10%. 10%. 10%. Yeah. I should have been listening. I was so busy yeah, smelling. It's still substantial, you, but it's... it's. Maybe, uh, if you had it's, it's, oh, I wouldn't have guessed that at all. No. Yeah. It doesn't have any yeah. of those vapors that yeah. come off. Right. <laughs> usually a, uh, anything in the 8, 9, 10% triple IPAs. Right. And I'm, not, I'm usually not a fan of those beers because of those, you know, sharp flavors. This alcohol. reminds me of the... Was it the King Sioux? From uh, uh, Toppling Goliath, yeah. it reminds me a lot of that beer. Yeah, they do really good beers. And like I, said, I just like, that. like you said, I, I can appreciate the, like I said, you take something like that with that much oh, that's hops really good. Bitter, but it, it just smooths right out and yeah, you know, you, nicely you, done. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. really. Not, I guess not a surprise when Ale Smith and Pizza Porter yeah, working put, together. Put yeah. together you would, yeah, we're big fans of theirs, yeah. and you know, we know all those guys. Um, so when you buy this in the tasting room, what what size, what do you get in a tulip or? Oh uh, yes, you're I not think pouring that in 16 ounces. No, ounce you won't okay. be served a okay. pint of it. No. But Darn. it is sold in 16 ounce cans. <laughs> okay. Though, oh, this year, yeah. right? You so said that. in the past we did 12s, but this time we we bumped it up 16 ounce four pack. So you got to commit if you want to have. You're gonna have a pint of it, or get a couple friends together and share. That's a delicious beer. I'm really impressed. Okay, we have two more. All right. The next one's Justan. So this is our core hazy IPA. Um, and this is pretty new. We started releasing it last year. And we wanted to make something that was, you know, our kind of take on hazy IPA. So not overly hazy, not like orange juice, milk mm-hmm. looking hazy. Um, very drinkable, very hoppy. And so we, for the hops we chose, Vic Secret is kind of one of the leading hops. That's an Australian hop. Um, it's known similar to Galaxy if you're familiar with Galaxy. Um, it's known. It's got a very unique flavor profile. So a lot of tropical fruit and kind of pineapple-y notes. Yeah. Um, it comes in at 6.8 percent, and it's delicious. I agree. That's that's it has the the, cit- the uh, citrusy, but also the pineiness in the in the aroma. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of different but flavors. I like, going I like on. The, there's a lot of you can taste the citrus coming mm-hmm. out of the fruit. That's and if you like a, an IPA or a, or a hazy that has a little bit of more of the resin and pine uh, flavor, it's got a little bit in there. It has enough in there, you're going to be happy with it. But, it's but, yeah. not, but if again, it's, it's not, not your favorite thing, it's not overwhelming yeah. in the beer. Uh, it's right. funny, it's called that, but I would have said it with you, it's, it's got a juicy taste to it. It tastes, yeah. it tastes juicy. Yeah, those you know? tropical Dink. fruits are very yeah. bright, very juicy. That's Excellent again. Yeah, that's really good. All right, lastly here, we're going for the home run. All right. <laughs> This is a beer we released last weekend. It's our Imperial Stout, so Speedway Stout, aged in maple syrup and Whoa. apple brandy barrels for uh, over a year. And then we've added uh, toasted almonds, vanilla, and coffee. So when It's you're, called Confectionary Delight. Oh, sounds great. So when you're trying to decide as That's the brewer what to... What, else to add <laughs> we've got a lot of going on here well what are how does that come about what's the process there of what do we throw i don't say throw in that sounds like you're callous no. about it or, or <laughs> reckless about it and i don't think you're either uh but what what are some of the considerations as you decide what else to put in a beer that's already chock full of flavor yeah so we know our 
we know our stout. We know um, the barrel-aged version of our stout. So in this instance, we wanted to try some different barrels. So we have lots of different types of barrels of this beer um, around at any given moment. And so we, we tasted a bunch of different things, and we thought the maple syrup barrels and the apple brandy barrels had a really nice kind of flavor components that went really well together. Um, and then we were kind of deciding what to add to that. Vanilla always goes good in barrel-aged beer. It kind of complements the fruity and mapley flavors very well. Um, the toasted nuts, we thought, kind of went into the kind of confectionery aspect of it. Uh, so it gives it a, a little bit of a different nutty, toasty flavor. And then the coffee, which is Speedway, always has coffee, mm -hmm. in, even its barrel-aged version. Um, it's so definitely I took a, a smell dessert. of it, it is, and it, it smells oh, yeah. thick and syrupy. Yeah. But when you when you it doesn't taste. Thing. No, but you it's, get the it's, maple. It's full-bodied. It's rich. And you can get the apple. And it is absolutely delicious. It is. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's a total dessert beer. So you see a lot of Imperial Stouts um, these days are more on the sweet side. Yeah. And those are can be delicious too. But for us, we don't want it to be overly sweet. No, it's not, uh, it's not uh, sweet on the back end be, at all. Yeah, still be drinkable. Even though it, it's drinkable in smaller amounts, it has its time and place. But and yeah, I don't think you feel like it's overwhelmed by Like a lot of times, a lot of barrel age you get that overwhelming this might kind of like licorice taste to it you know what yeah. I mean? and i don't you, you don't get any of that really this it's, might I mean, be my new favorite ailment no I, it's really <laughs> really, good. really good it's on sale so we always use different versions of uh, different ages of barrels and also different uses okay. so we'll use barrels multiple times, multiple times and each time you get different <laughs> different flavors out so, of it and so, so question you said this has been on on barrel for a year more than, like, that, more yeah. than a year so how do you decide like hey it's ready now to go you know yeah, uh, so we taste them fairly regularly. Some beers will, will peak in barrels earlier than others. Uh, Speedway, because it's 12% beer, it can, it's good at pretty much any time, right. as long as it's been aged you know, for at least you know, six or so months. Um, but other beers, they may be their best at nine months, and any time after that, they'll regress. Right. Um, so for Speedway, it's a little more forgiving, but we do taste regularly all the, the hundreds of barrels we have. And, kind of see what's ready and what needs more time. And, um, is that a team? That. So I'm, I'm imagining you st all standing around a barrel taking a sip. Is that a team decision, <laughs> consensus, this is ready? Or is this uh, Ryan doesn't my, say my it's ready? <laughs> oh, it's not your decision. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I work with decision. our lead brewer, Anthony, and I um, kind of quarterback all the barrel-age program stuff. So we'll try the different things. We'll and then we'll run everything through micro tests and figure out what flavors right. components we want to add to it. How many members on the brew team? Uh, six, and, and not including Anthony and myself, so eight total. Very good. And then I would I would assume that for these type of things, because if you're if you're doing this for more than a year out, its quantities are somewhat limited. So get it when yeah. it's here, because you don't know when it's going to be back. Yeah, beer like this is a one-time beer. We yeah. won't, probably won't make it again. Yeah. Um, so and in the, yeah, it's pretty limited quantities. Right. Get it while you can. Get it while you can. No, <laughs> yeah. That's a good call. So. Definitely come down, and we've we've said this many times on the podcast. But if you're making a trip to San Diego, you're going to Alesmith. Uh, you're coming for the beers. You're coming for the Tony Gwynn Museum, um, and then you're heading up to North County because we're pretty proud of what we're doing up here and up in North County as well. Um, <laughs> what a fantastic uh, four beers! Yeah, no, thank you so much for having us. And yeah, uh, these are four beers that I hadn't had here. 
Oh, and I already had, I already had, you know, like probably six go-to beers. So now it's now you're making it that much it's tougher. Really, that now when I walk trick, in here, right? and I can only have one. It's like, uh, I don't isn't know, that no. the trick when you come no, to Dale Smith? Yeah. Like you come in here, I'm driving in. I'm like, well, I'm having Nut Brown this time right. because Nut Brown's my favorite. So yeah. I'm having Nut Brown. Then yeah. I get here, I go, oh, it's Sublime. Yeah. Oh, I forgot Sublime yeah. on tap. Are you yeah. kidding me? When you had and then, Sublime, night, and then I go, well, yeah. 394. Yeah. How often do I? I get to have 394 while I walk through the museum, yeah. and decisions, then Speedway decisions. Stout. Yeah. Oh, if I could just so. get an eight ounce of Speedway, <laughs> that is the no, if, is. So if the right kind of problem to have. It is. But Absolutely. congratulations to you and your yeah. team. That no, is a, is a great, great uh, problem when you're at Alesmith. You're probably making a two day trip. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> yeah, no, multiple day. I agree. So, well, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we really appreciate thank it. Thank you, guys. Ryan uh, Crisp, head brewer at Alesmith Brewing. Aztec, great guy. Go Aztecs. I'm wondering how much uh, crap you get when you're at the Great American Brew Festival because you, you're because you look like you're 18 years old. <laughs> uh, you have you're thin, so right there, a thin brewer <laughs> and no beard. And no beard. <laughs> yeah, no beard. How much crap I you shave today? <laughs> well, you know, you don't. There, there's you don't have to fit them all. That's right. That's right. <laughs> how, that's how right. often do they ask you to fetch something instead of? Oh, they would never. They no, would never. <laughs> okay, <all right. laughs> It was awesome. Thank yeah, you for having Thank us. Thank you guys for coming. Yeah. Right. Glad I was Our, able to surprise you. We're going to finish off these uh, beers that uh, Ryan brought us, but for right now, we got to run. B double E double R U N, beer run. B double E double R U N, beer run. All we need is a 10 and a 5 or a car and a key and a sober driver. B double E double R U N, beer run.